welcome to the Destiny podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So I, I spoke about some of the, the obstacles and the barriers that, that were in my heart to, to coming to know this love and experiencing Father being a father to me. And so I want to speak about one of those this afternoon. Uh, this had a huge impact in my life. This, this particular issue, uh, and as I share what what I saw and what what the Lord brought to me, um, hopefully it, it's going to have an impact for you too. And I want to read a piece of scripture from um, the book of Matthew, in chapter eighteen, verse twenty-one through to verse thirty-five. And Peter came to Jesus and asked, "Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me?" up to seven times. And I love this, it's like Peter saying, God, Jesus, what's the formula <laughs> for, for this kind of life? And Jesus blows it all up. He, he, Peter thinks he's found the formula to, to forgiveness. Seven times, the number of perfection. But then Jesus says, no, I'm, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven, or 77 times. And then he goes on to tell this story. You know, he, he's saying to Peter, you've got it all wrong. You don't understand the nature of forgiveness. And so he tells a story to explain the nature of forgiveness. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And this guy's just been let off with like 10 million euros. And he finds a friend who owes him like 50 euros. <laughs> and he begins to choke him and say, pay back what you owe me. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and said, You wicked servant! I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had in you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. And we have this idea that, that somehow if we don't forgive, God won't forgive us. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying you will experience torment unless you forgive from your heart. And it will be just like being tortured by jailers. You know, I, I, I spoke, was it today or yesterday? I think today, waking up as a kid, thinking, I'm not good enough to go to heaven. And I, I knew that if I lived for a hundred years, I could never do enough good things to outweigh the bad things that I'd done. I could never clear my account with God. 
The debt I owed him could never be repaid by me. It was too much. And I became afraid of facing him. I became afraid of, of the judge. That's who he was to me then. And the man in this, this story, I, I guess, he must, before he was called to, to, to stand before the king, he must have had those sleepless nights, thinking, how am I going to pay back all of this gold? If I lived for a hundred years, I would never earn enough money to pay it back. What am I going to do? And he's, it would keep him awake because he knows the law. And the law is that he would be sold as, into slavery and all his belongings and all his family until they could pay off the debt, which would probably take his whole life and the life of his, his wife and children. He had no hope of paying it back. I mean, at what point do you realize you're in trouble? You know, was it, was it when he realized he owed one million euros? Was it when he realized he owed five million euros or, or 10 million euros? When did he realize? At some point he's realized, I can't pay this back, but he kept going. And basically what he did was he stole from his employer. He stole from his king. And that is often the case when someone sins against you, they take something from you. They take your pride, your innocence, your joy, your love, your peace. Or they take from you your possessions, your money, your, your phone, your computer, your house, your car. And this is what he was doing with the king. He, he effectively stole from the king. And when he's brought to face the king, he knows what's going to happen. And so he loses all of his dignity, he loses all of his pride, and he throws himself to his knees and begs, please, please, please don't do this. Please give me an opportunity. Please give me a chance. And to his surprise, the king said, okay, there is no debt. It's not that the king gave him a chance, he wiped it clean. The debt does not exist any longer. The man didn't have the capability or, or the means to, to meet his responsibilities, meet his debts. And he has this wonderful surprise where he's released from the debt. And he goes out full of joy and he meets a man who owes him 50 euros. And instead of, of, of the joy overflowing to this man, he's still caught in his own selfishness and greed and he chokes the man. He said, give me back my money. Give me my 50 euros. And what he does to the man, the man, the man does exactly what he does. He gets on his knees and he begs, just like he had, the, the first man had. Please give me time. I will pay you back. He's repeating his own words to him, but he ignores him. And the fate that he had just escaped he puts upon this man. He throws him into prison. And what happens in, in debtor's prison? You would be set to work. You would be punished. You would be tortured and tormented. We used to have debtor's prisons in the UK. You know, you know the writer Charles Dickens? His father was once in, in, in debtor's prison also. And so this man is put into a place where he's tortured, tormented, beaten, set to heavy labour, 
to, to, to try and repay a debt that is very small. And his, the other servants, the other subjects of the king, they're so horrified that they go back to the king and say, you know that man that you cancelled his debt of, of millions of euros? Well, he's just beaten someone up and thrown them into prison because they didn't pay him back 50 euros. And the king, the king is furious. And he brings the man back before him and he said, how could you do this? I just cancelled millions of euros of debt for you. And now, here you are, standing before me, having done to someone what, what you yourself were, were set free from. And he hands him over to the jailers, exactly like he had done to the, his fellow servant. And this man is going to live his life in, in torment and pain. And I think it's not just the physical pain, but, but it, there is a, an emotional torment when he thinks, Ah, I wish I could go back and change things. I wish I could go back and say to that man who owed me 50 euros, it's okay, forget the debt. Forget the 50 euros. But he can't go back and change that. He's living with the consequences of it. If he had just released his fellow citizen from that debt, he himself would be free to enjoy his debt-free life that the king had given him. And I think we very often find ourselves in that servant's position. We find ourselves up against situations where people have hurt us. They've stolen our joy, our peace, our, our possessions. They've robbed us of our innocence. They've withheld love from us. They've given us cruelty. All of these things. And they've stolen something of, of our identity from us. They've stolen something of life from us. And we want someone to pay for that. I certainly lived that way. I you know, I was robbed of joy and innocence and safety and, and even materially because of the poverty of our family. Someone had to be made to pay for that. And I lived, I was like this man. I grew up an angry young man looking for payback. Looking for revenge, looking for someone to make good on what I lost and what I missed out on. And when I, I began to come into this revelation of Father, you know, even as a Christian, I still lived with that anger. When I became a believer, I, and I did all the forgiveness and, oh God, I forgive my parents. And, but somehow, there was still this little boy in me who wanted someone to pay for what had happened to me. I had lost out on so much due to my family situation. A dad who couldn't express his affection because he was locked in a prison of of pain and darkness, of disability. You know, he, he died when he was 32 years old. I know that might seem old to you guys now, but wait until you're 32 and you'll realize how young it is. You know, my mum struggling to hold the family together, a disabled husband, three young children. And when your daily struggle is just about holding it together, there is no energy left over for affection and love and joy and play and togetherness, there's no, there's no energy for that kind of thing. It's just about survival. My wider family didn't relate to us. You know, my gran resented the fact that my dad got, pre got a woman pregnant and she's not even of the same faith. 
Now, my uncles didn't like the fact that my dad married a Catholic. And so they, so our wider family kept away from us. They occasionally visited, but there was no closeness, there was no kin kinship, there was no warmth. They kept their distance. And for me as a little boy, this, is, this was all so unfair. And so I grew up thinking, someone has to pay for this. And my whole life, my violence, my anger, it wasn't really at the, the, the other boys I was fighting or, or whatever. It was really at the world for robbing me of love. I just, I didn't understand that that was the issue. And when I became a Christian, I was taught I have to forgive because God has forgiven me. If I don't forgive, God won't forgive me. And over the last number of years, I begin to understand that Forgiveness in the way it has been taught in the church has robbed us of true freedom. It's almost like forgiveness was given as an ultimatum. John, forgive or God won't forgive you. But I've understood the whole world was forgiven thousands of years ago. That forgiveness was demonstrated on the cross 2,000 years ago. John tells us in his first letter, in chapter 2, verse 2, that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. So Jesus didn't just die for us Christians. He died that the whole world could be free from the power of sin. Now some of the world haven't realized that yet. But that's the reality. He is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And again, you know, we've heard it a few times now, that God in Christ was not counting men's sins against them. But I was taught that somehow I had to forgive to get God's approval or to avoid something bad happening. If I didn't forgive, some bad things would happen to me. But that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is about setting you free. Forgiveness is concerned with your personal freedom. It's not concerned with anyone else. It's your personal freedom. And as I began to look at this, I realised that I had been doing it all wrong. You know, I could get on my knees and I say, God, I forgive them, but, but almost like through closed, clenched teeth, I'm like, God, I forgive them. <laughs> You know, because I wasn't really addressing it from my heart. I was doing it because it was a religious duty. But I was still thinking the world owes me something. And as I read the story about the king, I realised the king cancelled the debt and expected nothing in return. He wasn't looking for the man. You know, if the man went out and bought a lottery ticket, and won 10 million euros in the lottery, the king would not come to him and say, ah, now you can pay me back the 10 million euros. Because as far as the king's account books showed, there was no debt. Now I know there is a picture of God in that, that he's wiped out our debt. And when he looks at his account book, if you like, it says, John MacDonald, no debt. And I, I, was, I was living a life where I, you know, I was saying, I, I forgive my mom, I forgive my dad, I forgive the people who hurt me, I forgive the people who bullied me. But I was still thinking 
somewhere in my heart that someone should pay for what happened to me. Someone should pay for, the, for how messed up my life became. And I realized I had not forgiven from the heart. Despite all of the forgiveness I thought I had done, there was still anger and pain and resentment in me. Still looking for the repayment. My heart still wanted to be like that servant and grab someone by the throat and shake them and say, pay me what you owe me. <laughs> and if we are in that place where we have that attitude, we have not truly forgiven from the heart. You know, I grew up without ever hearing words like, I'm proud of you, I love you. I was never held or cuddled or, you know, when I was in pain, I don't remember ever being comforted in my pain and my sorrow. When my dad died, no one put their arms around me and said, it's going to be okay, John. No one. What happened was I came home from school on Friday, told that my dad was died, and then I was sent to my cousin's home until the funeral was finished. We have funerals a lot quicker in Scotland than we, you do here. And so I, no one, I was never comforted over the grief of my dad. And I was angry. Someone owed me comfort. Someone owed me an explanation. I thought, I felt, I went through life feeling I've been robbed of comfort and peace and understanding. No one said, John, what do you, how are you feeling about your dad? No one asked me that. You know, everyone was concerned about my mum, and I get that. You know, she'd lost her husband. She'd lost the love of her life. But there were three children who'd lost their father. And no one came to us and said, let us comfort you. And so many of us go through life feeling as though we've missed out, we've been robbed, we've had stuff stolen from us, we've had love taken from us, opportunities, education, innocence, so many things have been taken from us. And what we do is we, we behave like the servant. You know, we have, metaphorically speaking, we have our hands around people's throats. Perhaps it's your parents or your church leader or your friends or your teacher or your colleagues and you feel they are in your debt, they owe you something because they caused you to be deprived, they caused you to miss out, they were cruel to you, whatever it is. There's a wounded child in us that demands something given back to us, something of payment. Someone has to give me what's missing. Someone has to make good on the debt of love and comfort that I'm owed. And I lived my life like that, even as a Christian. But this man was not able to give the king what he was owed. He had no resources to give him. And I began to understand my parents did not have the resources. My, gr my grandparents, my wider family, my aunts and uncles, none of them had the resources to give me what I needed. None of them knew how to give comfort or love because they had never known it themselves. And so they had no resource to pull upon, to call upon, to bring to my grief, to my pain, to my loss. But I didn't understand that. I just held them by the throat and shook them and said, give me what you owe me. 
know, as a little boy, as a little girl, we, we don't understand. There are things that our parents and other adults and authority figures can't do. And so when they're unable to give us what we need, what we expect, materially, emotionally, we think in our hearts that it's because there's something wrong with us, that they're rejecting us, they don't want us. And we begin to, to feel abandoned. And all of these ungodly beliefs about ourselves come up. Well, I'm unworthy. I'm not lovable. I'm ugly. I'm dirty. I'm tainted. I'm... And it, unless we know how to process and deal with that, and we don't know that as kids, what happens is bitterness begins to grow within us. Bitterness towards life, towards other people, towards God even. You see, my life, I just saw life had been unfair to me. And I became angry and bitter about it. And what it did was it kept me in a prison of torment, just like that man being tortured by the jailers. You know, how many times have you been hurt by someone and you lie awake in bed at night thinking, I should have said this, I should have done that. And you daydream about revenge or you daydream about putting them down or telling them what for. No, is that just me that does that? I do that. <laughs> we all do that, I think. There's this continual agony and pain and what it is, we are being tortured. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, unless you forgive from your heart, this is what my Father will do with you. It's like he's saying, okay, you want to live with that? You live with the consequences of it. And the consequences of living with your bitterness and your anger and your resentment is torment in your heart and your soul. And it causes conflict, turmoil. It causes sickness even and health issues, stress, relationship problems. Someone once said that keeping your bitterness and your anger is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. It doesn't affect the rat if you drink it. <laughs> and so that's what, how I was living my life. I was drinking rat poison, wanting all the rats to die. <laughs> And all I was doing was tormenting and poisoning myself. Creating a toxic life where I made poor choices, poor decisions, out of my place of pain and trauma and fear and everything else. And so many of us have lived the way I did. With pain and resentment, trying our best to be a good Christian trying our best to forgive those who had hurt me, but I was still looking for justice, for repayment. But you can't work, both, that doesn't work. You can't have justice and grace. You can't have justice and mercy. You see, what I noticed about the king, the king counted the cost. He didn't come in, he didn't bring the man in and say, by the way, you owe me, um, I think, I think it's, it's roughly about, I don't know, 5 million, 10 million, something like that. That's not what he did. 
He called the man in and said, this is the exact amount you owe me. And I've come to realize that when I did forgiveness, I never talked about what it had happened to me. I just wanted to say, I forgive and get it out of the way. But actually, the king knew exactly, when he cancelled the debt, he knew exactly what he was letting go of. And it was not a small sum. It was not a small thing for the king to cancel that debt. 10 million euros is a lot of money. He knew exactly what he was doing when he let go of that debt. And he knew he was losing 10 million euros. He would never, ever see that money again. But he still let it go. He would never get repayment. And I began to understand as I read this story, for me to truly forgive from my heart, I had to let go of the expectation of ever having my needs that were neglected met. I had to let go of the, and let the people go free who had neglected my needs and had not been able to meet them. And I had to live with that loss. I had to live with the fact that those needs were not met and never would be. That's what the king did when he counted the cost. He didn't just bury it under some vague thing of like, yeah, you owe me money, but let's just forget about it. He, he said, I am going to lose 10 million euros, but I don't care. I'm cancelling it. Wow. And as I, I, I read this story, I, I realised for me to come into a place of true heart forgiveness, I need to know exactly what it is I'm, I'm cancelling. What exactly am I cancelling? You know, Martin, can you imagine, I, I, I can't, is it Martin or Mark? Mark, sorry. Mark, I came into your business, and Mark's not around, and I'm like, oh, I was hoping to come, I need 20 quid, I was hoping to borrow 20 pounds from, from Mark, and he's not here, but, I, oh, there's his wallet. He won't mind, he's, a, he's a, such a lovely guy. I'll, I'll, I'll sort it out later, so I go in, and I take his wallet, and I take 20 pounds. And meanwhile, Mark comes back from his lunch, and he's like, Where's that money that was in my wallet? I'm sure I had 20 pounds there. And he's, I've lost 20 pounds. Oh, and it's annoying him all day. And I phone him up later that evening. I say, Mark, listen, I'm really sorry, mate. I came into the garage today. I needed 20 pounds. I was going to borrow it from you. But you weren't there. But, but I took 20 pounds from your wallet. I'm really sorry that I didn't clear it with you first. And, and Mark's just like, look, it's 20 quid. At least I know what happened to it now. He's like, don't worry, John, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Forget it, mate. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to get sorted. He knows exactly what he's forgiving. He knows exactly what the debt is. And he's saying, forget about it. 20 pounds, that's nothing. But can you imagine if I came into the garage looking for, for Mark to borrow 20 pounds and he's not there and I see his wallet and I take the 20 pounds and I think, ooh, he's got a gold MasterCard. <laughs> and, he's <le> <laughs> and he's left this bit of paper with four numbers on it. <laughs> that, that's his pin. <gasps> I need a new MacBook. Mine was stolen. The insurance company aren't paying for it. 
I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And so I take the credit card and the, the pin number and I go to the Mac store and I buy a new MacBook. And I come back and I, I put that, I put the credit card and the piece of paper back in his wallet. And Mark comes back and he, he looks in his wallet and he says, ah, there's 20 quid missing. Where's that 20 pounds gone? And it's annoying him all day and I phone up and I say, Mark, sorry, I came into the garage to borrow 20 pounds from you today. And he instantly thinks, oh, that's where it's gone. And I don't say anything else. He just says, oh, that's okay, John. Yeah, that 20 pound that was in my wallet, just forget about it. And he thinks he's forgiven me my debt. Well, what happens when Mark gets his credit card bill in and he sees 1,500 pounds from the Apple store that he knows he didn't spend? And he's like, where did that come from? Someone owes me 1,500 pounds. And he suddenly realizes, John McDonald, he took my credit card and bought that MacBook. But he let me think it was only 20 pounds he owed me. And so you have to go through that taking account again. You see, he hadn't really forgiven me for all of my debt, only part of it. And that's what was happening with me. I, I realized that in doing my duty of forgiveness, I was only forgiving part of the debt. But there were still large parts of the debt I was harboring in my heart. And so I'm having to come to the place of forgiving again and again and again and again. And it seems as though I'm never free from it because I've not taken account of what the debt really is. And as I read this story, the king takes his account. He has the servant there and something happens to him after he's taken account. Something in his heart changed and instead of administering justice which would say you're going to prison because you can't pay the debt instead of that instead of repayment and punishment the king cancels the debt no conditions attached it's as though the debt had never existed he experienced compassion for this man somehow when this man got on his knees and said please please don't put me in prison. Please give me an opportunity to pay you back. Something in the, the king's heart was touched. That it, it was beyond feeling sorry for him and thinking, that's a shame, but you still have to go to prison. It went beyond that. It went to a place where he wants to lift this burden from the man's shoulders. And lifting the burden from the man's shoulders cost the king 10 million euros. And that, that's what compassion does. Compassion wants to alleviate someone else's pain and burden. You see, I'd been putting the burden on the world, on my parents, on my family, on my friends, my colleagues, my boss, my employers. I had put the burden on them to pay me back what they owe me, to pay me what was taken from me in terms of innocence and joy and childhood and all of that. But they weren't able to. until Father began to show me what life had been like for my parents, how difficult life had been for them. 
And I began to understand without compassion, there is no forgiveness. I've become convinced that unless we know what it is to experience compassion, we will not be able to forgive from the heart. Without that compassion, we can go through spiritual discipline, we can practice um, religious rules, but we can't forgive from the heart. We can force out the mechanics, we can pray the prayer, we can try and walk the walk, and, but without compassion, it is fruitless. We will find ourselves continually again and again coming back to the same point of having to forgive the same people. It's why so many of us go through that process over and over and over and over. And we didn't seem to find relief or freedom from it. All we're doing is following religious guidelines that says you must, you should, you ought to, you need to, you have to. That's not God's way. God's way is not through forced behavior or through repeat, repeating prayer after prayer after prayer. That's how religion operates. But the father of mankind, his way is not through a system or a programming, but through a changed heart. And if your heart has been wounded, if your heart is holding on to a debt, it's only by changing your heart that you can release that debt. There's a saying, a little proverb, I don't know if you have it in German, but in English it's to, f to err, to make a mistake is human, but to forgive is divine. And I think there's a truth in that old proverb. There is very often in the human heart nothing that wants to forgive. You know, the, the instant response to being wounded or to be hurt or to be offended is to retaliate. Yeah? If someone slaps you, what's your first response? It's not to say, oh, bless you. Your first response is to smack them back or run away. Your last, the last thing you think of is to forgive them, not to take offence. What our heart often desires is some form of revenge, some form of payback. We're left with a the feeling, they owe me something. They embarrassed me by slapping me in front of everyone. They humiliated me by speaking to me that way. They owe me an apology. They owe me this. They owe me. They owe me. They owe me. And while that feeling persists in our hearts, we are not free. We are captive to the offence. And if true forgiveness is from the heart and there is nothing in the heart that wants to forgive, then we need a change of heart. And the only thing I know, the only force I know that's capable of that is the love of the Father, the love of God our Father, His compassion poured into our hearts, gives our heart the capacity to look at other people the same way that He looks at them with compassion and love. You know, I've been in the position where I felt sorry for people that have hurt me. But the thinking kind of goes like, you know, I know it's difficult for them, but they need to understand they can't get away with this. <laughs> Perhaps you've said similar things. They need to understand there's, there's a penalty and, and they have to pay it. Compassion goes beyond that. Compassion says... You hurt me, but I don't want you to suffer. Compassion says, you owe me, but I don't want you to carry that burden. Compassion says, let me take the burden from you.
That's what the king did in the story. He took the burden from the servant's shoulders and enabled the servant to sleep at night <laughs> because he didn't worry about owing 10 million euros any longer. The king bore the loss himself. He carried the loss himself. You know, I don't, again, I don't know what it's like in Germany, but here in the UK, if you owe someone money, perhaps you might write on a piece of paper, I owe you 50 euros. And you sign it and you give the person a piece of paper and it's saying, that's a reminder that I'm in your debt. And when I pay you back the 50 euros, you tear it up. Without compassion, there's nothing in us that wants to tear up that IOU. We want to hold on to that and remind the person, you owe me something. I want to make you squirm. I want to make you uncomfortable with the fact that you owe me. But when compassion begins to touch our hearts, it's much less of a struggle to, to destroy the IOU. In fact, we can come to a place where there is no struggle. It's just like... Oh yeah, I forgot about 50 euros, oh, never mind. It's not a problem, it's not a struggle anymore. Because love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not keep an account of debt. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's just being honest before the Lord. You know, someone hurt me a, a number of years ago where I actually had fantasies about finding this person, waiting outside their workplace with a baseball bat, doing their knees and sending them to hospital. I'm being honest. You know, that was, that was my daydream. I wait outside their hospital when it's dark, I'll take a baseball bat or a pickaxe handle and I will get their knees and put them in hospital. I didn't want to forgive that person. You know, I didn't want to forgive that relationship breakdown. I could have been all holy and be like, oh, it's all right, I've forgiven him. But I didn't. I didn't want to forgive him. I wanted to hurt him. I wanted him to feel the pain that I felt. Maybe that shocks you, I don't know. It's just reality. It's where most of us live, at least part of the time. But you see, I came to a place, again reading this story, where I understood he is not the issue. That man is not the issue. Breaking his kneecaps won't heal my pain. My pain is the issue. See, the king realized this servant before him, he's not the issue. The 10 million euros is the issue. And if I deal with that 10 million euros, then I no longer have a problem with this man. And if I deal with my pain, I no longer have to deal with that man as an enemy. You see, because forgiveness traditionally focuses on the person. You have to forgive that person. Well, that's not the issue. The issue is the pain that you're carrying inside you. The issue is what you've lost. The issue is what you've been robbed of. 
and your desire for repayment. When you begin to focus your attention on that, it presents a whole different picture. And so I'm beginning to see forgiveness from a whole different perspective. The word in Greek means to let go of or to give up. And I was always trying to let go of the person. But what God really wants is for our hearts to give up the desire to be repaid. To give up the debt and cancel it out. To let go of the debt, to let go of the pain and the anger and the hurt and the bitterness and the rage. See, that was the real issue of my heart. Not that person. The issue of my heart was that I was hurting. And so I wanted to become like the king instead of the servant. <laughs> I wanted to cancel the debt. The king didn't deal with the man, he dealt with the debt. He didn't take his anger and frustration and resentment out on the man. He could have been frustrated at the thought of not getting his 10 million euros back. And in his anger and frustration, he would just say, right, you're going to prison. But he didn't do that. He dealt with the issue. He dealt with the debt. And when that was cancelled, there was no longer a problem between the two of them. And if we focus with a person, if we wrestle with the pain, we're trying to do something our hearts don't want to do. And what happens is when we focus on the person and our, our anger and our hate and our, our rage towards them, we're ignoring the real problem, which is our pain, our loss. You know, Paul says we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. And that's what we've been doing traditionally in forgiveness. We've been wrestling with, with flesh and blood, wrestling with the person. But as we take our focus away from that and look at well, why am I angry at that person? Well, it's, I'm angry because I'm hurting. I'm angry because I'm wounded. I'm angry because I'm in pain. So, Father, I bring this pain and this wound and this hurt before you. Will you pour your love into the place of my pain and hurt and change my heart? And as I've been learning to do that, learning to let it go, I, I no longer see the person is the issue. You know, my heart is changing to such a degree that there are moments when people offend me and I don't recognize it. I, I, I was sharing last night and I, I was at an event and I spoke to some, one of the leaders there and, and we just chatted for 10 minutes and then he had to go to a meeting so I, I, I left and a friend was with me and my friend was so angry. And I said, what's wrong? He said, the way he spoke to you, the way he treated you was disgraceful. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Really? And my friend is adamant. He was disrespectful to you. He was dismissive of you. He was rude to you. And I'm just like, I didn't see that. I really didn't see it. Now, I wish I could live in that situation every day and every moment and every offence. I don't. But I'm much quicker now to recognise that if someone offends me or hurts me, I recognise you're not the issue. What's in here is the issue. And to bring that before Father and to say, Father, what I really want to do is punch them. But I know that won't solve anything. That won't heal me. That won't 
make me feel better. So will you come and minister to my heart, to my pain, to my wound? Because I don't want anything to be between me and this person. And it's not, it's not something that happens overnight. It's an ongoing thing in our lives. Forgiveness is not a one-off issue. It is a lifestyle. You know, it's been, forgiveness has been presented to us as a lifestyle, as, a, as a, a one-off issue. You do it, it's done, forget about it, move on. That's not forgiveness. That's ignorance. That's denial. <laughs> it is a lifelong lifestyle of dealing with our own hearts. And being able to reconcile ourselves to the fact I have been wounded, I am hurting. I have lost something. You know, it rolls on in life. I have dealt with a lot of issues concerning my dad not being able to love me. But a, a while ago, more issues came up. If my dad hadn't died and hadn't been ill, he was very ambitious. My dad was an electrician in the shipyards. But he also went to night school to, to, to learn electrical engineering and all of that kind of stuff. And he wanted, his ambition was to have his own business. And I realized if he had not been ill, if he had not died, he would have established his own business. My financial life would have been much better growing up as a child. I wouldn't have dressed in my mum's old ski pants as a school uniform. I would have had a good school uniform. I, would have, I wouldn't have had a dad who couldn't come and watch me play soccer. He would have come to watch me play soccer. I would have had an apprenticeship. My dad would have taught me how to be an electrician, how to be an electrical engineer. My prospects in life would have been much, much better. And so there were issues of debt and forgiveness that needed to be cancelled out. Because that is no one's fault. It's not my dad's fault he became ill. It's not God's fault. It's not anyone's fault. It just happened in life. And there's no one to forgive. There's no one to direct my rage against except the whole world. <laughs> and so I had to come back to a place of saying, Father, this hurts me to realize that, that I lost a, a great future when I lost my dad. And I had to come back to that place of letting that go and realizing that's a debt that no one can ever repay. Father, I need your compassion in my heart. I need your love to change my heart. Now I'm in a place with that man who hurt me a few years ago. I don't want to hurt him anymore. Do I want to be his friend and have a beer with him? No, I'm not in that place yet. I haven't arrived at that place. But I no longer want to hurt him or cause him harm or cause him damage. Because that doesn't give me anything back. It probably just causes me more trouble. What I've discovered though, is when I come to that place of, of, a, of being willing to let it all go, is that Father comes in and begins to give me what I missed out on. He's restoring to me what I missed as a child. He is being a father to me. He is giving me the security that my heart never knew. And I, I said yesterday, I, to the, the degree that I'm in the place now where I can say, I like being John McDonald. I like being me. Wow. 
He's making it possible for me to start over in my heart and get what I never received. Affirmation. A future. You know, I never... You know, I, tra I travel all over the world. I come from a broken family in a council estate in Glasgow. And I travel all over the world. Sometimes I get upgrades on the plane and I travel business class. How did that happen? Because I began to let go of the debt and the pain and the wounds and my father came in to be a father to me and give me the life that I thought I would never have. And as I stopped looking to people to give me what they stole from me, what, was, what I lost out on, what no one can give me, Father stepped in and began to give me what I always wanted and what I always needed. Forgiveness didn't give me back what I, what I lost because I started cancelling the debt with no expectation of repayment. But what I found was that when I did that, Father stepped in and began to give me what I was robbed of. A sense of worth, a sense of identity, a sense of dignity and, and significance and love and affirmation and assurance and affection and acceptance. And I, oh. Not only did he do that, but he provides for me. You know, I, I'm part of Father Heart Ministries, but no one pays me a salary. When I left the church, I left a good salary. You know, in 2008, I was getting a salary of almost £20,000 a year. No one pays me a salary now. But I don't, I don't go without. Sometimes I get honorariums for when I speak. Sometimes I don't. You know, I go to Costa Rica, I go to India, and no one pays me for that. But somehow Father provides the money to pay for that, those things. To go and share this revelation of his love with people who, who need to hear it. And I used to live thinking, well, if you want me to come, this is what it's going to cost you because you, you need to pay for my way for me. And now I'm, I'm free from that. I'm free from that restriction to be able to say, you know, if you can give me my, my airfares or whatever, that's great. If you can't, I'll still come. Because my father will make it possible. Incredible. I don't know how it works. No, I, I don't get I, I don't get checks in the mail. <laughs> I had one I've had one or two like that. But not often. So how you pay the tickets when you There seems to be money in my account. <laughs> and so the reality of this revelation is that there is an impartation from God who fills up what is missing when you let go your sense of um being owed something. He has become the source for all we need, that he fills up what's missing in our hearts. He comes to me in my childhood and gives me what that little boy didn't get. I bought a plaque a while ago in a tourist, a tourist store and it just says on it, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. I'm, 50, I'm almost 56 years old and I'm having a happy childhood. <laughs> in my heart, in my emotions. But it's, I'm not talking about some sort of romantic thing or some sort of, you know, shivers up the spine all the time. And those are good. 
But I'm talking about something of substance that imparts to our spirits, to our hearts. You know, the writer of Hebrews says that he is the father of spirits. And as we learn to open our hearts and be aware that he is loving us, it's almost like our, our lives begin to take a firmer foundation. Because it's not like his love is on a tap, on a faucet that's turned on and off. There is a constant flow, there's a constant outpouring of love. But it's just that there are often barriers in our hearts which prevent us from receiving that love. For me, this issue was one of the issues. My anger, my sense of entitlement, my sense that someone owes me something, that I've been robbed of so many things. And I'm just learning to live with an open heart to receive that outpouring of love. I love that hymn, you know, here is love vast as the ocean. Loving kindness as a flood. Because that is what's happening constantly from heaven. There is an ocean of love. There is a, a flood of loving kindness continually flowing from the throne of grace. You know, when I came into that period of taking account of what I was missing out on, what I'd been robbed of, I became very, very angry. I became full of anger and pain and physically painful at times. You know, as I listened to James Jordan speaking about his issues, the Holy Spirit was showing me all that I'd missed out on. You know, and I remembered promises. You know, my grand saying, I'll take you shopping for your birthday. And I turn up and I wait for her and she doesn't arrive. I remember my mum, when I was nine years old, saying, I, I want to go to visit Edinburgh Castle. I don't know why, but I wanted to go to Edinburgh Castle. And my mum said, you're too young, I'll take you when you're older. For me, that meant next year, but I'd be 10. That's double figures. <laughs> but my mum, to this day, has never taken me to Edinburgh Castle. I remember I was a decent football player. I would never make it as, as a career, but I was a decent football player. I was fast, I was skillful, I was tall and strong. And so... I joined a few football teams. The problem is that with some of those teams, there were guys whose dads came to watch them play football. And when their dads turned up to play football, I was left out of the team so they could play and their dads could watch them. My dad never came to watch me. Someone owes me for that, is what I thought. And so there's lots of things that I could say, I was robbed, I, was, I lost, I'm owed. I'm, I need to be repaid for what was taken from me. And the Holy Spirit has shown me all of this as James Jordan is speaking, and it was so painful. But I had to go through that to know what am I letting go of? What am I cancelling out? What, what is the debt that I'm saying it's gone? Can you imagine if you know, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, what? How can a man go back into his mother's womb? <laughs> but can you imagine for a moment, imagine you could go back into your mother's womb. And before you're born, you could somehow deliver a letter to your parents, a communication to your parents to say, guys, this is how to do it this time. This is the way to parent me this time around. What would you write on that list? What would you put in that letter? 
Because what you put in that letter gives you an idea of what you lost growing up, what you lost in school, in career, in family, in life in general. The king had his list, didn't he? He knew what everyone owed him. This servant owes 10 million, this servant owes 5,000, this servant owes... What is on your list? And as I'm making that list in my head and the Holy Spirit has shown me and I'm in pain, Father has also shown me that my mum and dad and my parents and my teachers and my employers and my colleagues and the bullies, none of them had the ability to give me what I needed. None of them had the resources to give me what I needed. And I felt robbed of affirmation and acceptance and tenderness and comfort and affection and love. And, and God took me into a place where I just began to cancel the debt. To stop holding on to my pain, my anger, my rage. And say, Father, help me to let go of this. You know, I was taught that when you forgive, you don't ask God to help you. God has commanded you to forgive as he has forgiven, so you don't ask for help. He's given you the ability, just do it. That is rubbish. Because forgiveness, I believe, is a truly divine act. And unless we have divine help, it's impossible for a human being to do it. And so I just began to cry out to him and say, Father, I don't have it in me to tear up these IOUs. Please give me the ability. Please change my heart. Please take this pain and wounding and anger from me. And I went through that whole thing repenting and saying, God, I'm sorry that I allowed anger to control me. I'm sorry I allowed bitterness to take charge and, and direct my life. I'm sorry that out of that, I lived a violent life and everything else because of my anger and rage. And a few years ago, I suddenly found myself, I had a friend come to visit from America and I took them to Edinburgh Castle. And I paid the entry fee for, for my friend, myself, my wife. And I was in Edinburgh Castle and I thought, I've never been here before. And do you know what, do you know what the problem was? That little nine-year-old boy was still inside me, waiting for his mum to take him to Edinburgh Castle. And I realised that day, when I went to Edinburgh Castle, I was free. I'd set myself and my mum free from that debt. And because I did that, I was free to go and visit Edinburgh Castle because that had always been a desire as a little boy to visit Edinburgh Castle. And I did it without making someone else pay for it. I paid for all three of us. And I realized there was a freedom in my heart that had not been there before. And just because I forgave people who bullied me and hurt me doesn't mean I condoned them and said, yeah, well, they were right to treat me that way. It doesn't mean that I have to go back and be their best friend because they might still be bullies. They might still not be very nice people. But I'm not afraid to face them any longer. I'm not afraid to be in their company. And you know, I had to forgive myself. I blamed myself for the way some things in life happened. I blamed myself for my dad's illness, my dad's death, our poverty. I had to release myself from that debt. 
But it's a, a continuing journey. It's a process that I'm still in and will be in for the rest of my days. When someone hurts me, offends me, takes something from me, of coming to Father and saying, Father, I really don't want to let this go. Please change my heart. Let me live a compassionate life with a heart that says, I release the debt that I feel you owe me. We're going to look at that in a minute, but let's take a little break. Um... Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk. 